It's very odd, you know, Lavinia said, mulling it over in her mind. I get the same kick out of being in a room with him that I would get out of being in a room with a famous criminal. Only nicer, of course, but the same feeling of, of wrongness. She made several furious figures of eight. If he were to disappear tonight, and someone told me that he was just a beautiful demon and not a human being at all, I would believe them. So help me, I would. Hello and welcome to Story Girls, a fortnightly podcast about books with a dash of absurdity. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Alicia. And welcome to season two, episode two. This uh, episode is about To Love and Be Wise by Josephine Tay. And it is the second book in our series about female writers of golden age mystery novels. Indeed. All right. Should we start by reading the back of the book, which is something that we forgot to do in our episode one. We did forget. But we're going to get back on the train. Okay. I will read the back of the book. It was rumored that Hollywood stars would go to any lengths for the privilege of being photographed by the good-looking, brilliantly talented, and ultra-fashionable portrait photographer Leslie Searle. But what was this gifted creature doing in such an English village backwater as Salcott St. Mary? And why, and how, did he disappear? If a crime had been committed, was it murder, or fraud, or simply some macabre practical joke? Question mark. Oh, well, uh, yeah, that, that sums it up. Yeah, it's, um, it, it puts a lot of emphasis on his, like, photography career, which is, like, kind of just, like, a back, like, a, mm. like, oh, yeah, and also he's a photographer. Like, you don't actually see people, like, clamoring to be photographed by him at any point. But No, but that there's is no his Hollywood back, star so. suspects who are like, I'll kill you if you don't photograph me. It's Brad. Yeah. <laughs> no, mm. uh. So we'll start with a little background, uh, Josephine Tay. Mm-hmm. Before we jump into prompts, um, Josephine Tay was a pen name, right, of uh, Elizabeth Mackintosh, who was born in 1897 in Inverness, Scotland, and she actually wrote under two pseudonyms. Josephine Tay was the name that she wrote her mystery novels under, and she also was a playwright and wrote some other, a couple of other novels under the name of Gordon Daviot. Mm. Um, she was quite um, successful as a playwright. And she wrote, um, yeah, she actually attained success, like career success as a playwright before she started writing mystery novels. Okay. So much like Niall Marsh, she kind of did both. Right. The playwriting and the um, mystery writing. She was also, like Niall Marsh, intensely private uh-huh. as a person. Yeah. So there's not actually a lot known. There's a lot of mystery surrounding her private life because even amongst her friends, she didn't ever really share much about herself. Even her closest friends, when she died, had no idea she'd even been ill and just like saw the notice in the paper and were like, what? Oh. So, um, yeah, fairly fairly mysterious lady but yeah yeah a couple of interesting notes about her which we'll kind of maybe touch a little bit more when we come to our queens of crime prompt but um she apparently was really into her pseudonyms and her like other kind of personas Mm. so she would like have 
people refer to her by different names depending on who they were to her in her life. So like some people knew her as Elizabeth McIntosh, some people knew her as Josephine Tay, some people knew her as Gordon Deviant, and she would write letters to them, sign them with these names. And the letters are like have distinctly different styles based on which persona she was writing in. Right. So it's not just like pseudonyms. It's like she had alter egos. Yeah. She kind of had alter egos. um, But she preferred to be known as Gordon by her closest friends and family. And I think that was the persona or like the personality that she identified most with. And um, yeah, that's all I'll say about that at the moment. All right. But she died quite young. She was also, I just want to say she was a... um, gymnastics teacher not gymnastics but like a physical education teacher oh and she and during the war she like went and did like physical education with like soldiers well like women oh okay who were like working or yeah and um so it's kind of interesting and then she did write a book um miss pym disposes which is set in a girl's school and is all about a physical education teacher. So she like repurposed that into one of her novels. But um, that's a little tidbit about Josephine Tay, AKA Gordon Daviot. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's get into it. Let's get into it here. You pull prompts. Double prompts. (laughs) I feel like I'll never say it that way again. (laughs) All right. Our first one is... Building a mystery. Building a mystery. Um, wow, this is a good one to start off on. This is all right. This is the whole the whole shebang. This is the whole shebang. Okay. <laughs> so we've already talked a little bit about how this book is unique because spoiler alert. Oh right, yeah. Read this book. Spoilers. Read the book. <laughs> read the book. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> Abound. <laughs> Especially since we're starting with this prompt. It's not just like, yeah. what food we, is mentioned? We're going to rip it all. Yeah. We're going to show it all. We're about to tell you who done it. Who done it. So this book is interesting because there is no... There is no... Murderer. Yeah, there's no foul play. No, there isn't really a crime. There's no crime. There's, there's, there's a fraud. Yeah, there's a bit of like shenanigans. And there was an intended crime. There was an idea of a crime. Right, yeah. Someone thought about committing a crime. Someone thought about committing a crime. They got to a certain place and was like, not for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So obviously, if you've read the book, which we told you to do, so you've done it. (laughs) You've totally done it. Because, yeah. Leslie Searle um, goes missing. Yes. And so it's the big whodunit of who kills him. But Mm -hmm. very interesting in this book, as we talked about, you don't really have a lot of red herrings for this one. No. So like he goes missing. He's a photographer from California mm-hmm. who comes to England on vacation and then gets invited to this country manor in this small village with all these artists live there. And then, so our detective, Grant, um, Grant Alan Grant goes to the village to try to, you know, find out what happened to him mm-hmm. and everyone, they're like dragging the river and they think that he's been murdered. Um, or he's fallen in, fallen in drunkenly or hit his head or whatever. And you do get like, there's a, there is a cast of characters that it's sort of like suggested like, well, these 
this person had this motive, this person had this mm-hmm. motive, but they're also weak. Like the weak, I mean, the motives are also weak. The motives are weak all around. There's a lot of people who would cause to not like Leslie Searle, mm-hmm. but there's no one who really has caused to murder him at mm-hmm. this stage. No. And there's no one whose life would be like that vastly improved by his death. No. Yeah. And yeah. it also seems like an odd way to go about killing him like although really good if someone had done it yeah indeed <laughs> indeed indeed yeah um but only good i guess because nobody really did so like if somebody had there probably would have been way more clues <laughs> <laughs> yeah because like really that's like the absence of clues and poor grant has to go on like all these interviews and there's mm-hmm. also people that leslie has upset there yeah. are a few mysteries uh mm-hmm. so leslie and walter who mm. is um his well, they're writing a book together, but like right. Leslie has come to meet Walter. That's the beginning of the book yes. is he's looking to meet Walter. He ingratiates himself into Walter's family mm-hmm. and starts living in the house that Walter lives in and Walter and him became buddies and they decide to write a book together. Which is also, can I just say a bit weird? Like, Well, it's, it's purposefully done. It is purposefully done and only a person of very great charisma could pull that off. Can you imagine if one of us just like went up to a stranger and was like, I would really love to meet your nephew and have that person immediately like, why don't you come and live with me? Yeah. Well, we repeatedly hear that Leslie Searle has a quality mm-hmm. of, well, it's undefinable, but yeah. everyone feels it. Everyone feels it. Yeah. And it makes some of them uncomfortable because mm-hmm. they realize mm-hmm. that they are just like waiting with bated breath for him to like approve of them or to do something. Yeah. And while they're like waiting for it, they're like, this doesn't feel right. Yeah. It's very interesting. He's... um he disconcerts every single character within the first like 25 pages of the book. Like they all have an individual moment where they're like, I feel weird. Yeah. Yeah. They're all drawn to him. He's like, he's a flame and they're a moth. And then they're like, they get close and they're like, Oh, but maybe this isn't a good idea. Yeah. But they're just kind of hovering there. Like, Ooh, mm-hmm. don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And so Walter is the most obvious suspect, but Walter yeah. has an alibi like for, well, he doesn't have an alibi. Like he was sleeping in a tent well, or whatever no, for that part. But Leslie leaves first. Yeah. Like, and Walter like hangs back. Oh no, 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 no. Walter, Walter leaves, leaves first. first. And Leslie is there. Like, yeah, that's the weird part is that like Walter leaves first. If you're planning to murder someone, like yeah. leaving first is weird. <laughs> you, know, like, you don't know where they're going to go or yeah, what they're going to do. Yeah, stayed all night and been like, I got so drunk, I'm just going to stay at the bar. Like it's yeah. not a well thought out plan. No. And like the easier plan would have been like, especially after, after people had witnessed it, like mm-hmm. a situation, you don't murder that person after no. people have seen you arguing or being tense. That's a terrible move. It's a terrible move. So that's yeah. not a good, and also like they were canoeing on the river and mm-hmm. apparently no one in England knows what canoes were. <laughs> so how easy would it have been just to have been like, oh, the canoe tipped and he drowned. <laughs> what do you mean no one in England knows what canoes they, are? It happens several times in the books. They like don't understand. They're like, you can't take a boat down that river. And like, and Walter, <laughs> Walt's like, Walter is like, no, like Leslie talks about these like canoe things. Like, there's like this what? boat company. They like sell internationally. I think we could get some from them. And they're like, oh, canoes. They don't use canoes. <laughs> they only know about punting. Yes. You can go back to the book. I'm going to have they, to reread they the, that, those refer to, They're all like, yeah. canoes? Like, yeah, it's like a weird thing. Oh, yeah. That's hilarious. And that's like why like um, Inspector Williams is just like, like... 
God, like I'm from the country. I don't have to listen. Like I don't have to listen to him. Like frill it up. Like look what he's doing with the like the river and the canoes. Like, <laughs> just d- drive by the river on a car like a normal person. Like, <laughs> That's really what the country's like. I love how he's like. Just look at what he's doing with this. And Grant's like. I'm looking. <laughs> <He's> investigating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. Anyway, so all that to say that Leslie, um, yeah, like people are drawn to him, but then they're like frightened or angry or put off by him or in some confused, way or confused. But still drawn. Still drawn. They're very conflicted. Yeah. Yeah. And so like you've given a good breadth of sub um, of suspects. So other than yeah. Walter, who we know is realized that his fiance Liz yeah. is formed quite the friendship with uh, Leslie, Leslie. Mm-hmm. and has been ignoring him. Which is kind of funny because he's been ignoring her forever. Yeah. <laughs> and that she's not even really ignoring him. She's just like living a life. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, do we still have the problematic things in the book? We do. Yeah. yeah. Because we could talk more about his yeah. assumptions of what she should be doing for him and like right. living for him kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And so then there's also Liz's adoptive mother, Emma. Right. I felt like Emma. So, okay. Getting back to what you said about how there weren't very many red herrings yeah. and the motives were all very weak, um, which is true. I think it's, one of the really cool things this book does is that it presents you with all these mm. characters and all these potential motives. But even as you're reading them and you're like, I'm not sure that that is Grant is also like, eh, I'm not really feeling this. Well, like, he concentrates most on Emma. I feel. Yeah. And Emma, yeah. I also felt, and probably, you know, cause I was being led there by Grant yeah. and Josephine Tay that, that, that she was the most, she was the most likely. Suspect. Yeah. Everyone yeah. else is just this, but like, she is literally like, she, she loathes him and then she hates him. Yeah. And she's already proven to be like a pretty extreme woman because you get her history and how she's like, she's all about managing other people. Like mm-hmm. That's what her purpose in life is to like orchestrate the lives around her. Right. So you can see someone like that maybe of everybody being like, okay, you would maybe push someone in a river. Yeah. Be yeah. very threatened by this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as Inspector Williams says, Walter is a pushy. He's a pushy. <laughs> it's so, it, okay. I just have to say Sergeant Williams. It, what did I say? You said Inspector Williams. Oh, you sorry. gave him a promotion. Oh, God. I mean, he's great and he deserves a promotion. Yeah. But he hasn't had one yet. No. Okay. Sergeant Williams. But yeah, he describes. So Walter Whitmore is like this um, well-known personality because he's a radio show Mm -hmm. host and he talks about the country, which infuriates everybody. And I love how like they describe even Marta's like, it's like, like she compares listening to his show, like watching a train wreck. Like you just don't think it can possibly get worse, but you listen to see if it can and then it does. (laughs) But then the vicar turns out to love it because he like goes on about Walter's particular episode Mm. about like the glow worms or some, some kind of worm. Glow. <laughs> and Walter's like, I was doing that one for Liz and she didn't even listen. Oh. Like yeah. Walter's a pushy, but Emma definitely comes off as a pusher. You're just a big man, baby. <laughs> yeah. But Emma is the pusher. Emma's the pusher. And yeah. that's how she comes across as like the best subject. So yeah. I, or the best suspect, I should say. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's where the mystery builds is like, you're introduced to all these people who mm-hmm. casually like would like to, and mm-hmm. Emma kind of comes up, but there's, 
there's a few, like, it's still not that convincing. And there's a few things that um, Grant is really puzzled about. So the biggest one being the certain size hole in Cyril's, <laughs> Cyril's, um, like bel- in suitcase, in his like, photographic equipment. Yeah, box. and when you say hole, it's not like, it's not like the box has a hole in it. It's like there's like a space a in gap. it where something would fit. Like, yeah. and it's very well, like book. They know what I'm talking about, right? That's right. <laughs> you hole. all know about the hole. You guys know about the hole. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's like obsessed with what is that? Like, what object yeah. would fit those dimensions? And I have to admit, like the first time that I read it, I wasn't like, what is that size? I just like waited for them to tell me. I did. I was like, what is well, that? But I what thought one of the size? biggest, well, because I thought one of the biggest red herrings the second time that I went through it is because mm-hmm. when he says it to Sergeant Williams, like what would fit in this? Sergeant Williams is immediately like soap. And I was like, oh, that's that size? Like it's mm-hmm. a lot of fucking soap <laughs> to fit 10 inches like it is soap was like giant back in the day <laughs> soap on a rope here's your soap <laughs> Boom, it's like a brick <laughs> a brick of soap a brick of soap yeah well it was funny too because doesn't grant say at one point like the people it reveals much about the people what they suggest could fit in there because yeah, then all... he's like cheese cut to a certain <laughs> size <laughs> like, what? Like, what does Marta like, say she says like, like a hairbrush or something yeah 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 so that one is like you never really quite you know so it's funny like cheese cut to a certain size like, anything cut to that size yeah. like also you should not keep edibles in the <laughs> photographic equipment case near all the chemicals no and cheese needs to be refrigerated yeah indeed so. yeah i think there's something else he suggests too like yeah, yeah. there are multiple suggestions yeah. of what could but fit in soap there. i was like oh like even though I had just read like 10 inches long, I yeah. was like, oh, bar of soap. Okay. Like, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that is a, that's large. It's yeah. a large bar of soap. Um, well, no, I shrunk the size well, in my I know. head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I think I had the same yeah. moment where I was like, oh, it's smaller than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> and then you find that it was shoes. Like, shoes. Like a bar of soap the size of a pair of shoes. Shoved together. Yeah. And like so rigid as to like have left like the space, which Mm. is, I mean, I guess shoes. Yeah. But Uh, obviously they are. Yeah. So it's one of those interesting things that eventually because we find out that less, well, like it said from the beginning, Leslie Searle is so, so, so good looking that like no one, beautifully good good looking, that no one could not have seen him and not remember. That's right. So he's either dead in the river or he's disappeared. But like if he's, if no one has seen him, then he, Grant starts to think, okay, he's disguised himself. Right. Because he has this sense the whole time, Grant says, of like... Um, a son and half lady. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He has a whole sense that he's looking at something where like, yeah, like someone's pulling a fast one. A kind of. Magic in the sense of magicians. Yes. Illusionists. Illusion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so he starts to suspect that Cyril has left disguised as a woman. Mm-hmm. And then it's one of those, he just happens to pick up like a hitchhiker. Yeah. Okay. Now we'll come back to this in a different prompt. Um, I don't want to use everything up in the first prompt. Yeah. And then he puts it all together. Um, And I still don't like when, because 
I find it interesting for that time period that Mm -hmm. he would get to the fact that as we do find out, Leslie Searle is actually a woman mm-hmm. who has been dressing, living as a man, living as a man mm-hmm. um, for his career. Is not. It's it's unclear. It, like the way that she explains it, mm-hmm. Lee, mm-hmm. Uh, when he meets her, is that she was mistaken for a man at mm-hmm. some point, yeah, and found that interaction to be liberating liberating yeah. and so she just kept doing it yeah she realized she could and she realized she could and she kept doing it and she's obviously found success from it and so i think that's like what she does like when she's on and mm-hmm. then when she goes on sabbatical she potentially doesn't yeah cuz she does have she her house and everything where she's lee searle and ever and she's a woman yeah so it's definitely like it seems as though it's not a case of gender identity it's more performative yeah and yeah um so it's interesting because the entire mystery is because of like such rigid gender structures Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right like that like this is a man and like I said to you earlier, yeah. you there are so many clues in this book. There are. The wording, like there's a, you know, oh, he has an unplaceable quality, something not quite of the world of men, which has like a double meaning, right? Because yeah. they often allude to like supernatural things, but also, and there's a part where it um, describes him as feminine or like something he's doing with like feminine dexterity and mm. so many clues. Once yeah, he was you know. so graceful, but then mm-hmm. like... It's interesting in this village, he kind of like, because they're like, oh, well, Serge is also graceful. Serge is right. a ballet dancer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh Serge has had years of training to be graceful. Yeah. But at the same time, the very first page of the book is like, there was a young man standing there. Right. And so you as a reader don't question that. Yeah. Um, because you were told by this third person narration mm-hmm. that... There's a young man there. Yeah. And in particularly in our time, it would have been interesting. Obviously, we can't, you know, to know how it would have been taken at the time. Right. Because in our day, like young men who are very beautiful and mm-hmm. walk that line of androgyny mm-hmm. are are known. Like mm-hmm. we're seeing more and more of that. Mm-hmm. And as you know, I, I love that. Like that mm-hmm. gender fluidity, that that um, that blurring of the lines mm-hmm. of beauty. Uh but yeah, I wonder how people would have, you know, all that, the otherworldly stuff, like yeah. the feminine things mm-hmm. and this thing. But it's, I feel like continually compounded again that he is a man. Like, yeah. 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 It's so interesting. And, and when we talk about all the, <laughs> once again, we're really straying from our problem. Mm. That's whatever. Um, when there's so many characters disconcerted by him, a lot of the language used is about spirits like he's a demon he's a fallen angel it's kind of supernatural it's kind of spiritual it's kind of scary yeah and it's it's unnatural yeah is a lot of the the way he's described as when people are like i'm not quite sure what this feeling is i'm getting from this Mm -hmm. man but it feels unnatural yeah um and but also as you pointed out earlier to me that it's not just the fact that 
Leslie Cyril is a woman living as a man. And they're picking up on some vibe there. Because yeah. Grant, even after he knows, mm-hmm. still like to himself confesses that he is like will like he likes her a lot. He's mm-hmm. drawn to her. He mm-hmm. wants to like let her into his confidence more than he should let someone who has still yeah. perpetrated some crimes. Yeah. The crime of fraud, the mm-hmm. police investigation that mm-hmm. has occurred. You yeah. know. Yeah. And he still feels that pull. Because yeah. I think there's many, you know, women um, like people who can cross dress, mm-hmm. who would not all of a sudden become like otherworldly. <laughs> right, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So there's some quality about this person, mm-hmm. regardless of yeah. that aspect of yeah. their life that is like drawing people in. But one that they know and that they're using. Using. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, and the way that we see Leslie Searle manipulating and toying with the people in the village before mm-hmm. he goes missing is very like there's that one part where it describes it as being very like lightly done so that you didn't notice how ruthless it was yeah and you can see how that would be a skill that would be very much suited to photography Mm -hmm. if you had a good eye Mm -hmm. because you are like people want to please you they're laying themselves bare in front of you they want to do whatever you want them to Mm -hmm. and it says Hollywood is clamoring for him to take photos Mm -hmm. so that and actually like we know of that today like you know renowned photographers Mm -hmm. like they have this cachet and this power like people are powerless before their lens and want to be like Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah it's fascinating that that was yeah something on Josephine Tay's radar in like the 30s or yeah this was written yeah yeah um, so did you like suspect when you were reading this book no no I did not no neither did I um and another thing I want to touch on briefly here is the casts of of characters <laughs> yeah um because I feel like rather than having like a lineup of suspects, which we often like that's typical mm-hmm. in a detective yeah. fiction story, like you introduce all these characters, they're often very eccentric. They have like all their own little stories and little secrets that they're mm-hmm. hiding and little like, you know, jealousies or conflicts or whatever. And then you kind of are like, what, what's a red herring? What's not? Like what's relevant? What's not? Mm-hmm. But in this case, I feel like... She introduces this cast of characters, and yes, they're all very eccentric, but rather than them being really integral to the plot and the mystery, it's almost more like a like a psychological study mm. of like a bunch of people in a village and like their their lives like mm-hmm. Grant actually learns very little about the case from all of his interactions with all of these people. Yeah, because none of them know Leslie Searle. Like, he's no. unknowable, as I say. But mm-hmm. he learns a lot about everybody going on there. Yeah, and like but some it, of none his, of it's important to None the of case. it's important. Like, there's that, oh, what's that guy's name? Silas that, Weekly. Oh, Silas Weekly. Like, that whole Hold divergence. Yeah, yeah, it's just so like... Terrible. It's so terrible when he goes to his house and, ugh, like, it's just, yeah. yeah, And it had nothing to do with the case. No, and nor does any of the stuff about Toby Tellis or, like, like everyone has their, you know, he gets these impressions of them, he learns Mm -hmm. about them, he kind of, like, analyzes them a bit Mm -hmm. to see, like, oh, like, could you be a murderer or not? It's much more psychological. It's not, like, where are the clues leading me? It's, like, who is this person? Right. 
And could they have done this? Yeah. Like he's sussing every Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting way to go about it. Yeah. 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 All right. I think we should move on. All right. Let's move on. Oh, good. A Books with Brad. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Which character in this book should be played by Brad Pitt? I'm not sure why I'm on the show. <laughs> Brad Pitt now or Brad Pitt? <laughs> well, this is time travel Brad Pitt. You can have whichever Brad Pitt you want. You could have now Brad Pitt. Well, I would say a young Brad would be an amazing Leslie Sorrell. Oh, I see it. Yeah. I see it. Because Brad has like feminine qualities. Mm. And as we know loves to look like his girlfriends. So he is a chameleon of like that he could. He's got that, those lips. He's got those lips. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I feel like Brad could do Leslie Searle. He's a beautiful man. He is a beautiful man. Yeah. All right. That was easy. That was easy. I'm not sure why I'm on the show. (laughs) All right. And next up. Whoa now. Whoa there. Problematic things in the book. All right. So as we alluded to, uh, one of the problematic things I think about is Walter's Mm -hmm. just assumption of Liz. uh, Yeah. Now, Lavinia does say that as he cares about people more and more, like he takes them more for granted, like it's an observation that she kind of makes like across the board. Mm -hmm. But when we get Walter's inner dialogue, when he starts to become jealous of Leslie and it's terrible the oh, way so he he's like well i brought her these chocolates and she's gonna be sorry and then like yeah. she's a bit late to dinner and he's like she's never coming to dinner she's dead i know <laughs> actually I, I actually wrote down this quote because i thought it was yeah. so hilariously amazing when she's late for dinner and he's um <laughs> he starts thinking that like the she's dead because yeah. the only way she would not show up for dinner with him would be if she died. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, she's never going to be late for dinner. She's dead. <laughs> yeah. And then she arrives with Leslie Searle yeah. just when his heart had blackened and shrunk to the state of a very old mushroom. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And then he's so upset because she sits down and like she hardly like apologize. She doesn't apologize to him. She just starts eating her food and they're laughing and she's happy. And then she's like, how did your show go? And he's like, she should have said she was despondent to have missed it. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh gosh, this guy. You're just a big man, baby. Seriously, such a big man, baby. And I mean, the thing is that everybody else knows it. Oh, yeah. Everybody has it. And it's funny because... And everyone else is like, you don't deserve Liz. Right. Except for her mother, who's like fully orchestrated this. Well, because Walter is due to inherit Lavinia's fortune. Right. And she wants Emma to inherit it. But I mean, Liz... But don't you think that Lavinia would leave a chunk to Liz if she didn't marry Walter? I totally think so. In fact, I think Lavinia would totally understand if Liz was like, I'm better. Because she's like... Walter doesn't deserve her. Yeah. And one of the, so one of the things that happens with Leslie Searle is that, so she has, he, I'm going to call him he when he's Leslie and she, when she's Lee. Yeah. But Leslie Searle has come to meet Walter to infiltrate his life so that he can kill him. Yeah. Um, and so one of the things that changes his mind is meeting Liz Yeah, being like, well, this woman is really awesome and she loves him. So like, what am I missing here? Like, what's really like, who is this guy? And while she, I don't think Lee Searle, when she goes back to her life is like, Oh, Walter, what a great guy. I'm glad I didn't kill him. She's like, well, 
he's one of the things that's going to happen as a result of this is that he's not going to take Liz for granted anymore. Yeah. 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 Which is really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that is definitely problematic, but it's also addressed in the book as being problematic. Yes. So that's good. Yeah. Um, what do we think about the reveal? Well, I like that Grant is not like he's kind of like our because he's the only one that we see interacting with Lee. Like he's the only one yes. who knows, right? Yeah. And so he is kind of like our model for how Josephine Tay thinks about it. Mm-hmm. And he's fine with it. Yes. Like he knows that she's committed a crime of fraud and mm-hmm. she's kind of like made the police run around and it hasn't been t- tr- truthful, right. but he's not repulsed by her. He's no. not like, you're a monster. No. Like, how could you? Um, so I like, I like that part. Yeah. Definitely reading it on the second time, you can get a little uncomfortable with how much people are like, there's something wrong with that person. Yeah, this person is like, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a part where Liz is like, remember, she's like, oh, there's, she's trying to convince herself she's not um, super attracted in, like, because she doesn't know what this draw is. And so she's kind of questioning herself. And she says, um, you know, he has that morning of the world beauty, meaning like something again, like not quite human. Mm -hmm. And then she's, then she's like chastising herself in her internal monologue. And she's like, there's no reason to have to like utter charms against him. Like she almost feels like she needs like Mm. holy water or something to like ward him off. Um, and the vicar says he was, thought he believed he was a demon in human form. Mm. So yeah, that, is troubling. Yeah, that yeah. is troubling. Now, mind you, I feel like they're all at the same time picking up the fact that, like, Leslie Searle has, like, just moved into their yes. lives. With intent to murder. With intent to murder. And yeah. they're like, so that, like, that's something wrong that they're picking up is yeah. because he's also not being truthful. No, like, and he's he is lying also, like, his ass super, off. Yeah, manipulative. It's just, I do find it a little bit problematic. Because they focus so much on the looks. And the looks that this is yeah. really a woman as a man. So when they're like, it's wrong, mm-hmm. they're like, he's so beautiful, but it's wrong. Like, yeah. And there's yeah. like that intertwining of like all these things being like first of all he came there to murder someone although they Mm -hmm. don't know that but second of all he's actually a woman dressed as a man Mm -hmm. and third of all he's very like charismatic and manipulative and skillful at manipulating Mm -hmm. so we never actually see those threads pulled apart right it's just sort of that you get this one big conglomeration of this person is wrong. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. That, the, yeah. Like that messaging can be problematic. You can pull mm-hmm. those things apart, mm-hmm. but it, it is a little bit like, you're like, okay. Like you have to do that for yourself. Yes. That's, the book doesn't do it for the you. Book exactly. Doesn't do it for you. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So I would say that was problematic. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything else that's problematic. Um, well, oh God. Well, I mean, problematic or just traumatizing again, that awful Silas Weekly and his Mm -hmm. poor wife and children. Yeah. That's a brutal, brutal scene. Yeah. And the man writes books that are just like bleak and degrading and like filthy. And that is also how he chooses to live. Yeah. And he's got this poor, sad wife who 
Grant says used to be like a school teacher, like, yeah. and is just like living in this hovel with like a thousand children yeah. and not being allowed to disturb her like genius husband while he sits there not actually writing. And apparently he makes a lot of money because mm-hmm. he got successful. So there's no reason for them to be living like this. No, no. There's no reason for her to be living without this, without help with all yeah. these children. And isn't there a child just like in the yard that Grant has a weird interaction with? Yeah. And he's just like throwing like rocks at something and yeah, yeah it's oh it's just so sad and it's very, terrible it's very terrible <clears throat> yeah um what else we got in there that's problematic mm. that's all i can really that's all think of off the top of my head yeah if anyone thinks of something problematic you can message us on one of our mini platforms maybe we'll do another mini soon problematic things we missed in the books <laughs> in the books all right all right Next up around. Ooh, ain't that a name? <laughs> Names in the book that deserve a mention. All right, let's let's go for it. So a little bit of alliteration happening. We got uh, Toby Tellis. Yeah. It's a ridiculous name. It is a ridiculous name. Yeah. Who lives at Who House? H O O. Who House? Who House? Toby Tellis of Who House. <laughs> what is a Who? Does anybody know? I don't know. I don't know. Lots of British houses, like most British houses have names, I think. And I think lots can be funky. Okay. Well, who yeah. house? Yeah. Who house? Also, like the house that they all live in is called Trimmings. Yeah. <laughs> which is also amazing. Well, because isn't it like a gothic kind of house that someone's like gone overboard it's with like, like a gothic monstrosity? Yeah. Yeah. It's got all the trimmings. It's got all the trimmings. <laughs> but, but they make a reference to like how like she doesn't even get. Get the joke. Get the joke or like get that the name is fitting. So it's yeah. like the name wasn't given that way. I don't know. Who knows? But it's yeah. amazing. Also, Marguerite Mer- Merriam. Yeah. A little more alliteration. That's a good name. Yep. Um, very small character, but there's a reporter named Jamie Hopkins. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. Uh, well, Walter. Walter. Who now? Uh, I, I keep calling him Walt Whitman. <laughs> <laughs> it's not him. It's not him. But his name is very similar. It's yes. Whitmore. Whitmore. Walter Whitmore. Walter Whitmore. Yeah. So yeah. that's a good name. A lot of alliteration there. Yeah. Lavinia is also a good name. Ooh, Lavinia Fitch. Lavinia Fitch. It's a good name. It's a great name. And Serge has, what's Serge's last name? Ratoff. Yeah. Like there's some good names there. I mm-hmm. think also like... Like the mechanic is like Maddox or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Bill Maddox. Yeah. yeah. Um, Marta Hallard. Yeah. Also quite a good name. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. What do you think about Alan Grant as a name? Sturdy. Yeah, it is. I, I quite like Grant. I like that he's referred to as Grant. I like that he's referred to as Grant. Not sold on Alan. But mm. then again, it is a very like British detective y name. Yeah, it's it goes better as, as the two names, yeah. Alan Grant, mm-hmm. as opposed to. Yeah, the first name. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I don't know. I'm just saying, do you know? I feel <laughs> like Sam Neill's character in Jurassic Park, maybe Dr. Alan Grant. Oh. Well, I'm not sure, but I feel like it might be. You well, as Google we it. recently <laughs> talked about, I haven't seen Jurassic Park in many years. I love me some Jurassic what. Park. I'm Googling it right now. What? <laughs> Quick talk about something else. Well, 
what are we talking about? Oh, name. ain't that a name? Or yeah. Name. Um, yeah. <laughs> Silas yeah. Weekly. It is. Sam Neill, Alan Grant, spelled the same way and everything. A-L-A-N, Boom. Alan Grant. I knew it. Good one. Yeah. And I love that man, too. So there we go. Not Sam Neill. Okay. I love that character. Okay. Well, Alan Grant, that's a solid name. It's a solid name. Right. Solid. Firm. All right. All right. Firm. <laughs> <laughs> the detective and the Watson. Well, Ooh. to further our conversation about Grant, I oh. like him. I also like him. <laughs> and I like that he's so specific with his palate that he will not eat pickles. <laughs> Can you just find that passage? Where is it? I have the page written down okay, in my I will, notes with I will the word read it. pickles. It's uh, oh my gosh, page one fifteen. It's I think it was when that was like the moment that I loved Grant. Grant, not that I agree. I love me some pickles. Yeah, me too. All right. You really ought just for once to try the, those pickles, sir. William said they're wonderful. For the five hundred and seventh time, I do not eat pickles. I have a palate, Williams, a precious possession, and I have no intention of prostituting it to pickles. <laughs> it's worth noting that this is not a particularly comic book. No. And so that little interaction just like, just sort of like slotted in there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just extra amazing extra amazing and the fact that like marta is also aware of his palate yes. and is like i'll make you dinner yeah and does she not make an omelet again yes and it's interesting because one of yeah. our other books someone's also going to make an omelet <laughs> at the table <laughs> like, apparently like i feel like okay first of all i don't really make omelets i find them hard well, I don't eat eggs, so I don't also don't eat yeah. make omelets. But don't you think it's an odd thing to cook eggs at the dinner table with everyone watching? Especially and also, an omelet, which is you, hard to cook. What are you cooking it on? Also, like you have like, like a, a Bunsen burner. I feel like they do have a Bunsen burner, <laughs> like a little hot plate, because you have to eat them like immediately yeah and also so the other book it's coming up in a couple of a couple of episodes is strong poison yeah. where they well, make an yeah. omelet and so it's very like important because it's the last meal that someone ate before they died of poison so like yeah. a lot of focus is put on this meal and the judge is even like stops in the middle of his summary to be like and i would advise you to only ever eat omelets this way <laughs> so like it's like a thing. They thought really strongly about it. I think it's, I also do think it's odd. I think it's odd. Anyway, so I love Grant and his palate. Mm -hmm. um, I like that he's um, got a really good relationship with Sergeant Williams. Like there's, when they first get on mm -hmm. the case, you kind of get this little synopsis of like yep. what he values about Sergeant Williams. Yep. And then what Sergeant Williams values about him and how they complement each other. Yeah. And he like admits that he likes Sergeant Williams has like a little bit of like a worship of him. Yeah. And he likes it, but mostly he likes it. Sergeant Williams is like dogged and like gets the job done. Yeah. And um, Sergeant <laughs> Williams also has like, uh, he's got his own sort of intuition, right? Like he's got his own sense of things that like he sometimes comes out with things that Alan finds or Grant finds unexpected, mm -hmm. right? But he really values those. Yeah. So they have a, they have a really, I like their relationship. I like Sergeant Williams. I like that he's, well, he's the one who calls Walter the pushy. The pushy. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love this um, interaction that they have about, it's actually like about their differences. And it says, um, 
uh, Williams is telling Grant that he has a really great advantage because um, people don't, like, he doesn't look like a cop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but you have advantages that I lack, Williams, Grant had once pointed out. As what, for instance, Williams had said unbelieving. You have only to say hop it and people just dissolve. When I say hop it to anyone, they are as, <laughs> they are as likely as not to say, who do you think you're talking to? Lord love you, sir, Williams had said. You don't even have to say hop it. You just look at them and they begin to recollect appointments. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that Josephine describes him as like, there's like, uh, maybe I'll find it. Um, there's something about like, he's this and this and this and pink. Large <laughs> <laughs> and sturdy and, and pink. And pink. Yeah. I was like, oh. Yeah. yeah, no, they're a good duo. I really like their relationship. And yeah. I like that Grant is... Um, He's just like a, so he's one of our detectives that is of Scotland Yard. Yeah. So I believe we have two actual policemen and two amateurs in our season. Oh, okay. So Niall Marsh's detective Roderick Allen is also of Scotland Yard. Mm -hmm. And then it took me, honestly, when I was reading all these books for the first time, I was like, Roderick Allen, Allen Grant. Like, Albert Campion. No, Campion is an amateur detective. He is not of the force, although... So that's what Charlie Lucas... Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I will skip ahead to episode three. But yeah, so Alan Grant is um, a... Is he a detective inspector? I think he is. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, he's well, you know, he's basically like worked his way up, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And yet he has flair. Yeah, and he has to caution himself not to get too much. And his superintendent is always like, don't let your flair ride you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We're really making this book sound like it's really funny, but it's not that funny. It's not that funny. Josephine Tay, interestingly, like hers is the most straightforward kind of writing. Um, I feel out of them all. Like Mm -hmm. she's got all these great characters, Mm -hmm. but you're not really that distracted by them. Whereas opposed to like Surfet of Lompries, you're so distracted by the Lompries. Like there's so yeah. much character going on there. <laughs> and like even the smallest characters like Aunt Kit yeah. is so much. But in this book, it's very It's very grant focused. It's very grant focused. Yeah, yeah. You don't get pulled away by the other characters. No. Yeah. You, it's more like Grant assessing. Yeah. Even though for a good portion of the book, mm. it this is I also found that interesting that it mm-hmm. basically like it's him meeting Leslie Searle and then he doesn't have any, he doesn't come into the book until Leslie Searle then disappears. And so you have that whole Mm -hmm. passage, like, you know exactly what Leslie Searle's been doing up until the moment he disappears. Yeah. Um, Like you don't have to have Grant tell you. No. And that's similar to the Niall Marsh in a way, because Mm. you get sort of like this story pre- pre-detecting yeah right? like you get the whole setup and you get to know all the characters and then you get grant coming into it yeah and you know that leslie is going to disappear and mm-hmm. it's just a matter of when and who done it except no one did it yeah well it's also a really uh, i love the way she sets that up because in the first chapter you have grant meeting leslie Searle and introducing him to the family yeah. which is like his foot in the door yeah 
And then he goes off to have dinner with Marta and it says he didn't think anything more about Leslie Searle until the day he got called down to look for his body. Yeah. And then the next chapter starts and it's like you're back with Leslie Searle and then you follow him for like weeks Yeah. until he goes missing. Yeah. But yeah, that whole time, you know, he's going to go missing. So it also gives you the opportunity to sort of be like, what's happening? Like you read more into the interactions and all of that stuff. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. So... Are we on? We're on the detective in the Watson. Ah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I like Grant. I like his relationship with Marta. Um, mm-hmm. I like how he's like, I can be her escort because mm. I'm like not intimidated by her. And, yeah. and I can uh, afford to go to the fancy restaurant. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And how she's there and she kind of provides like a little bit of like a respite for him and his palate. And his palate. <laughs> and also at the beginning, it says And also that- she provides like an interesting... Uh, she ca- he calls her his window. Yeah, yeah, and a clue in context because she reveals at some point. So that's the other part of the mystery is mm-hmm. that Leslie Searle's motive mm-hmm. is because he sh- or she is actually cousins mm-hmm. with Marguerite Mary. Miriam, yeah, who has died. Has died. Yeah, um, and he is seeking revenge on Walter because Walter was with Marguerite. Yeah, they were a couple, and then broke up with her. Mm-hmm. And Marguerite died after. She committed suicide. She committed suicide. Yeah, and so seeking revenge on Walter, but Marta worked with Marguerite, mm-hmm. and she totally unknowingly, like I think, goes to dinner at Trimmings mm-hmm. and meets Leslie, and Leslie talks about Marguerite mm-hmm. in a very fun way, and she tells Grant of this later and yeah. it was like, oh, I had to correct his like, yeah. you know, like she was not great. Like, yeah. So yeah. she reveals this whole and, and then, you know, all the other stories of, because basically what's happened in this village is Marta bought a house there yeah, to get out, have like a getaway from London. And then this, like all these other artists started like following her there and setting up shops. So basically all these, this whole community of artists, they all knew her. Marguerite. Yeah. And they all were not impressed with her. Yeah. Oh, so it's not just Marta, other no. people. Yeah. yeah. So Leslie goes, because Marguerite was the cousin who tr- like very much presented a certain image to yeah. her faraway American cousin yeah. who, who like idled, like idolized, idolized her. her. Yeah. And so she's come to revenge her, her suicide by like lost love and has yeah. everyone's like, oh no, she was cray cray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like Walter... Walter didn't even deserve that. Like, yeah. yeah. Walter's pretty bad, but he didn't deserve that. Isn't there a part where somebody says like, as much as, Walter didn't deserve Marguerite. Like Liz doesn't deserve Walter yeah. or like something Marta. like that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So yeah. So lots of people have like, and so it's not just meeting Liz no. to be like, Oh, well like Liz likes Walter. He must not be so bad, but also lots of people may like Marguerite was terrible. Yeah. She yeah. was like a horrible human. Yeah. So that yeah. causes him to avert from his murder plot. Yeah. Which like, we don't know, like, was the whole boat thing, like, was he going to murder Walter on the river? Or was he going to wait for the book was to be complete and get, like, all the money from it and then murder Walter? We yeah, don't know. We don't and probably know. his didn't he didn't have a fully formed plan. He was no. just sort of like, you know. He just knew that he had that crazy charm to, like, yeah. see him into the yeah. space to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Because who shows up like uninvited to a party to mm-hmm. meet someone who you don't even know is going to be there? Mm. Who in like, fact isn't there. <laughs> yeah. And then you meet their fiance mm-hmm. and like you get her to like pack your suitcase for yeah. you. Oh, that was a bit that I really did not enjoy where like 
Lavinia's like, go pack his suitcase for him. And then they go to the hotel and he's like, aren't you going to pack my suitcase? And she's like, uh, no. And then he's like, I'm pretty sure that's what she meant. And then she does. And then she does. And then she does. And then she does. Boo. <laughs> All right. Should we move on? Let's move on. Feminism 101. Oh. Queens of crime. All right. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Josephine Tay um, and what she brought to the genre. She, um, as we've stated a couple times, her books are more straightforward in their language and they're more serious. Mm. Um, you don't, the, obviously there's like lines about prostituting yourself to pickles, which are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, overall this book doesn't make me lull a whole bunch. No. <laughs> um, and I think that her, yeah, Alan Grant is a character who is um he's more realistic in some ways than some of the other detectives mm. like the final book in his series which is called the singing sands it starts with him basically um going on stress leave mm. because he's dealt with so much crime and murder and misery that he's started to have panic attacks and uh, attacks of claustrophobia mm. and he is freaking out because he can't control it um and we do see a little bit of um, sort of PTSD in Whimsy when we get to Dorothy Sayers yes. books, but Whimsy's PTSD is from the war. Right. Whereas Alan Grant's PTSD is from the detecting. Well, Whimsy does... Whimsy gets triggered, absolutely. Yeah. He can't stand, like he loves solving the crime, mm-hmm. but he hates the then consequences, feeling the consequences, yeah. the responsibility, like he does that weighs on him. Yes, for yeah. sure. You're right. Um, and although we're told that Whimsy has these attacks, like you very, very rarely get them in detail. Like mm-hmm. you don't often see him having one. There's like one part, I think where it references in Gaudy Night that Harriet has to take him home and like make sure that like he's, hmm. he's okay before she can leave him. But you don't ever like, it's not in real time. It's not like described as it's happened, which right. it does do in the singing sands with Grant. Oh, interesting. Um, so yeah, they're overall like the tone is a little bit more somber. Right. Um, and just to touch again on the whole, um, aspect of like cross-dressing and, Leslie Searle slash Lee Searle and Josephine Tay, um, as we said in our intro, she preferred to be called Gordon by Mm -hmm. her close friends and family. She often dressed in men's clothing. Um, a lot of the photographs, there's not a lot of photographs of her, but Mm. the photographs you see, she's often in a suit. Um, and it's interesting to, read her books in terms of like the way she does um depict gender Mm. and this book is the most um interesting for that the most interesting for that there's also like there is zero romance right with grant with grant well because it's interesting marta Mm -hmm. is kind of like because she i read the daughter of time which is another Mm -hmm. one and marta comes in and out of that one but it's it seems very in that one friendshipy this Mm -hmm. one a little less so because she's making him dinner and stuff like that but like he never stays over there's no romantic there's no embraces like they're just like even when he lays out why she's an there's an escort there's nothing about like attraction or no and in fact like 
he frequently will be like, wow, she's got all these great qualities. She would make a great wife for me. Oh, well, like, yeah, he's not interested. No. Yeah. Like when she's like, oh, come quick. Something's happened, blah, blah, blah. And yeah. he's like, oh, I'll come. And she's like, have you had breakfast? And he was like, no, I haven't. She's like, I'll have breakfast. Ready. And he's like, what a woman. It's the greatest woman. Yeah. But he still makes no moves. Well, because, yeah, it's very clear that he's not interested in having romance in mm-hmm. his life. And. Um, but it's interesting because in one of the, one of the scenes where he's like describing all of the great qualities of Marta, one of them is that she's masculine, like the way she thinks or like Mm. the way she behaves. Um, and again, in the singing sands, which we're not covering, but there's a female character that is like a potential romance for him, but he's like not, he's also very not interested in her and is super distracted by this again, beautiful young man Mm. who has died on the train he was on and he can't get him out of his head. Mm. So there's definitely some like subtext happening here of, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to say it's like necessarily, I don't know. I don't know what the subtext is (laughs) anymore, but there is definitely some, some, some subtext there of that you could read as being homosexual or asexual mm. or yep. basically not heteronormative. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like that this book, um, what we've talked about before, just briefly, like focuses on the fact that Walter doesn't take Liz for granted. Yep. And at the end, like the conclusion is like, you know, Walter will no longer be taking Liz for granted. Mm-hmm. And like, that's a nice like feminism thing to not mm-hmm. just be like expecting your partner. Cause she doesn't take him for granted. No, she no. doesn't at all. And she thinks a lot of him. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like Emma is very, is a little bit more stereotypical of like yeah. a controlling mom who's yep. just worried about getting her daughter married off. Yeah. Um, but I like Lavinia as like a, counter like a foil to that a foil to yeah. that yeah. yeah where she is more concerned about Liz's state of mind mm-hmm. and but also I like I really yeah um like how they don't have to have just conversations about men men yeah like, yeah yeah and then again too like with the with the bit about the um dressing as a man to sort of like be able to like to have access to part to things that you wouldn't necessarily Mm. otherwise be in. Like throughout history, there've been lots and lots of women who have lived as men for that reason, not because they identified as a man, but because historically it was much easier for men to have that freedom and that solitude, like to be able to go places without an escort, to Mm -hmm. be able to like, have the adventure like if you wanted an adventurous life like women weren't couldn't do that so and they even reference at the end when um grant goes there after he's figured it out and he's talking to lee searle and he's like she's like oh did you think it was only like pirates who did this and they and then they reference phoebe hessel who was a woman who dressed as a man to join the british military um alongside her lover and served until she got, because I looked this up when I, because I wasn't familiar with the name and apparently she served as a man until she got found out when she got in trouble for something and they were going to whip her oh. and they, so they undressed her and they discovered she was a woman and apparently her response was strike and be damned. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Yeah. So yeah, throughout history, there's tons and tons of yeah women who have done this because it was a way of gaining access to the type of life that they craved. Well, what Leslie Stoll did, 
Lee could not have done. Exactly. In terms of even like, I don't think a random woman could have shown up to the party and been invited into that house no. and then become besties with Walter and be yeah. like, let's go on a canoe trip together. Right. Like, yeah. And probably, yeah. and also I'm sure that like, it would have been much harder for Lee Searle to become a photographer in mm-hmm. Hollywood and like yeah. make that name for herself. Yeah. Like that would, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Let's move on. Who done it? Oh, I feel like we've covered this. I feel like we've covered that. It was Leslie Serwell. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't really do much. He didn't do much. All right. Do another one. Is there any taking a turn among the cabbages? <laughs> Ew. In this book. The cabbage. The cabbage is the folds. Oh. <laughs> Ew, sound Um, well, no, no, not that kind of sex. <laughs> what kind of sex is there? <laughs> well, for some people, this difference, like, not everyone remembers that there's a difference between sex and gender. So, oh, the comment that I was making. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> there is both sex and gender in this book, but there is no taking a turn among the cabbages. No. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Next prompt. This magic moment. Mm. Your favorite parts. Um, I've already touched on this, so I won't talk too much about it. But I like when Lavinia um, observes what Emma does not, because Emma decides for some reason she doesn't have to be concerned anymore about Leslie Searle, even though she's decided to hate him. (laughs) But Lavinia has observed that Liz is becoming drawn Mm -hmm. to Leslie Searle Mm -hmm. and she decides to talk to her about it quite awkwardly. Or she almost, I don't even know if she decides to. She, they're trying to do work because Liz is her assistant mm-hmm. and she can't concentrate. And so then she eventually like bursts out with it and, um, and confesses that she also feels the same too. Now, this is a time where she does say some problematic things if you take it as a whole. But what I liked was that I liked a character actually like coming forward and saying like, I feel like something's off here. Mm-hmm. I don't like... Plots where people just don't tell each other things drive mm-hmm. me crazy. Yes. So I yeah. really liked that that scene happened mm-hmm. and that Liz um, also even like goes away reflecting upon it. And you yeah. learn some other things at the end where she actually herself wondered. Mm-hmm. But um, and a dinner with when Marta was there and Marta took him away and she felt no like yes. jealousy yeah. had kind of reassured her that no, she didn't. Yeah. But she was herself wondering. So mm-hmm. I liked, I liked that scene. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good one. Um, I'm going to say one of my favorite parts is when Grant's trying to figure things out and he, um, there's a sort of a few pages where he's having this like, conversation with himself in his mind like an inner monologue it's like but it's a dialogue it's like it's like there's two voices like he's he's saying something and then he's countering it and he's saying something and he's countering it it's yeah it's kind of uh i don't personally think like that oh <laughs> but i feel like a detective probably would well i feel like it's a nice illustration of his detection Mm -hmm. at work like Mm -hmm. he's like well it could be this but what about this and what about this okay if it's this take it to this place does it fit there well no well then consider this part like Mm -hmm. he's like writing down the possibilities and like trying to work the problem through his head and it's a nice way to get into the detective's mind Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I really liked that part. Yeah. Um, and I also like the conversation that he has with the superintendent when he comes back and he's like, so you sent me down there. I've been there for like a week and I came back and then it's exactly the same situation as when I went down there. And here's this one really likely possibility with the most evidence. Um, but I actually think that something else happened. And the guy's like, what? He's like, is this your flair again? And he's like, I can't help it. I have a sense of a lady son in half. And like, he's just basically like, I'm sorry. He's like so apologetic. He's like, I'm sorry, but I have flair. Um, but also, yeah, I was also going to mention when we were in the Queens of Crime section, mm. and I totally forgot about Josephine Tay, that <clears throat> so one of the other writers of the golden age um his name was ronald knox he wrote out what they ended up referring to as the 10 commandments of detective fiction okay and they were they were rules that you had to agree oh, to abide by yeah. right um she broke most of them yeah. in one book or another and so one of them is that like your detective doesn't have like flashes of intuition mm. um and she was like nope does we're gonna call it flair <laughs> and the superintendent's always gonna be like don't let your flair ride you which is just such a funny phrase um yeah and also some of her descriptions are like quite lovely of the village and the houses mm. um and i just thought that was one line because i really liked it where she just describes it it was a day of high wind and rainbows mm. like I, I see it mm. yeah those are my favorite parts all right are there any cats in this book? Oh. No. No. <laughs> Next. That's it. Oh, what? We have our we're missing a character question. Right. Okay, well we know what it is. Let's just do it. What's Look. our favorite character? And do the page turn. Yeah. Who's your favorite character? <laughs> uh Grant. Huh? I think Grant is my favorite character. Mm. Who's yours? I quite like Lavinia, mm -hmm. but I think on like second reading, I really like Sergeant Williams. Yeah. And I love how um, Marta like mm. loves Sergeant yeah. Williams at the end. She's never even met him. No. Yeah. 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 yeah he's so human. I quite, I quite like Sergeant Williams. I just think they're a great team. They are. Do you have an honorable mention character? Well, I guess Lavinia. Lavinia, okay. Lavinia. I love how she's got, like, her big nest of hair, and even, like, at the first party, yeah. like, she's bought a new hat, but mm -hmm. she's done nothing else. Like, she just put the hat on her head. And then she finds her favorite yellow pencil in her hair at one point. She's, like, always just losing her pencils in her hair. Yeah. Yeah. So, I like that. Okay, I've got a really great honorable mention character. He's only in it for, like, two paragraphs. <laughs> but there's a part where... <clears throat> Leslie Searle is um, they're in a bar this is like bef not the night that he gets into the fight and Walter storms out but it's like an earlier night okay. right after he's arrived right and he's sort of like meeting all the villagers or whatever and he is being such an ass to Toby Tullis yeah. that Serge the ballet dancer gets oh. super mad yeah. and takes a swing at him yeah at which point the bartender is like, time to get Arthur Tebbets up here. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, uh, Arthur Tebbets, I'm going to read it to you. I wrote it down. Was a large, slow, kind creature who would go out of his way to avoid treading on a worm. 
Arthur just put a friendly arm around one and leaned. The <laughs> arm was like a limb of a beech tree and the pressure was that of a landslide. <laughs> <laughs> and that was how they got you out of the bar if you were in a yeah. fight. So Arthur Tebbets is my honorable I, I can see it. Again, this book seems a lot funnier. <laughs> I know, it really does. <laughs> Not all that funny. But, okay. All right. Well... That's it for To Love and Be Wise. Yeah, except we just judge it by its cover. Oh, that's right. We got to judge it by its cover. How can we forget that? So we only have one copy. Yes. It's been hard with one copy. It has. We've been sharing it. I'm going to get my own. But (laughs) unfortunately, like we've said with our last one with Diane Marsh, they're just like not great. Not great covers. Not great covers. This is this. I don't like that cover at all. No, it's like a photograph of a of like a village house with like a what is that like a tower, a church? Or yeah, something. it's like an English little village. I think it's supposed to be Salcott, whatever, whatever. Yeah. Um, but it's like slightly sepia toned. Yeah. Like aged tea, tea stained. I feel as though I've said this before, but I really dislike photographs on oh, book covers. Yeah, I think we talked about that in the I Capture the yeah. Castle episode. Yeah. yeah, not a fan. No. Um, yeah. And also this one is a bit harder to find because for some reason, this book is not as, like she didn't write very many books, but this book is not as well reviewed, um, available Mm. in the public awareness, it seems of all of her books. I wonder again, if it's because of what happens in this book, like at the time, I feel like that would have been a slightly controversial end. Yeah, probably. It's possible. Yep. Um, but yeah, so not a huge fan of the cover. This edition is by Arrow Books. Cover images, copyright photo library. Oh, boo. Yeah. So somebody out there would like to request better editions. Yeah. Please. Please. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys, for following us along with To Love and Be Wise. We hope that you enjoyed the book and you enjoyed our podcast. Mm -hmm. You can find us on Twitter at Story Girls Tweet. You can find us on Instagram at Story Girls Podcast. And (laughs) we also have a Gmail, storygirlspodcast at gmail.com. And a website. And a website. My God. God. So many things. And and if you're following us, you know that we... (laughs) Our our maintenance is light. <laughs> we do actually, though, like uh, we have a Podbean website that we're hosted on Podbean, though you can find us on lots of different things like Stitcher and iTunes and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But on our Podbean website, which is... Storygirlspodcast.com. Oh, on Podbean or just Storygirlspodcast? It, storygirlspodcast.com. Okay. That's all you need to do. He'll take you there. Oh, good. Well, there we go. Um, I love we, how surprised you are about what our website is. Well, because you usually have to pay more for not having like a, like a thing. Yeah, in we the, pay for that. Did we pay that much? Oh. This is classified information. What were you going to say about our website? That you post like episode synopsises and like extra materials, like Indeed. pictures and stuff like that. Yeah. And I say you because you do it. <laughs> um, and like there's reference materials and like little liner notes kind of situations. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, so you can find that all on our website because mm-hmm. Lindsay puts it there. You <laughs> <laughs> say my name like you're from the southern states. Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. And thanks to Rob, our tech support, as always. Um, oh. And thanks to you for listening. And also, oh, uh, next episode oh. is going to be about Marjorie Allingham's more work for The Undertaker. Yes. Stay tuned for that one. Yeah. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.